Welcome everyone to episode 250 of Merge Conflict. This is your weekly entertainment, technology, development, mobile thingy with myself, James Montemagno, and my best friend in the entire world, Frank Kruger. Frank, how's it going, buddy? Uh, great. Have you told Danny that? Because I'm pretty sure you traded uh, sides and Danny's your favorite person in the world. Let me tell you a secret, Frank. Everybody's my favorite person in the whole world. Um, I've been, I've been uh, <laughs> so much love to spread around. <laughs> I, uh, whenever I have people on the Xamarin show or anything like that, I'm always like my best friend in the entire world and this and that. And then we started doing these podcasts internally at Microsoft, like me and like leadership team and stuff like that. And I, I got nominated because I know how to do podcasting on occasion. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, and I've been doing some with Amanda, Amanda Silver, and it's been really, really fun. But I open up every podcast. I go, you know, welcome back to a blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the, the name of it. I'm like, and my best friend in the entire world, Amanda Silver. And she laughs every time. And uh, I, I told her on the two podcasts ago, I go, I go, I hope that one day it'll be reciprocated because I'm like, you're Ouch. already, you're already my best friend, Amanda, but maybe one day I will be your best friend. We'll see. We got to get there. You got to, you'll. It's built on trust. Yeah, we got to get there. Well, I'm working mm -hmm. slowly. One podcast at a time, Frank. Yeah, I, I don't think you should be. So, sh she'll do it maybe in 30 years or something. You got to build up that trust. I was kind of hoping you had said uh, best friend in the whole world, Satya. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that podcast moment in time. Uh I will be very excited whenever I get to meet uh, Satya, um, if I ever get to present. I have a, a few co colleagues that have gotten to present uh, to Satya, and that seems joyous. Um, I, have another, I have a few other friends that worked at Amazon and got to, to present to Bezos. That seems, I mean, it seems stressful, but, you know, seems awesome, too. I would totally do the BFF thing for both of them. I have no <laughs> shame. <laughs> I think I think it's just part of my natural cadence when I when I do those types of engagements. So I got to do them. And Frank, you've been my best friend for 250 of these beautiful, absolutely amazing podcasts. Um, thank you for being here with me. I'm not into numerology, but for some reason, I really love the 250 number. It's a good number. Um, Solid. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Congrats, James. Somehow we did it. I think the problem that I have with a year is that it's 52 weeks. Why is it 52 weeks? It feels like someone, oh, we got 14 extra days lingering around. You know, why couldn't it have been 50? That seems like a great, great number. It was like podcasts with a line, <laughs> you know, I don't know. No? You know, they tried a metric calendar at one point. The French did. When the metric system was invented, they also came up with metric time at the same time. Hmm. But um, people went insane. It was something like a 10-day week because they wanted everything to be base 10, the simplicity, the beauty of the metric system. But I forgot why, but it was basically like people just weren't getting enough time off, basically. So everyone's like, no more with the metric time. And I don't know, we, we have our calendar because we're a weird old civilization that just keeps using the same old calendar we've been using forever. People hate change. That's why. Yeah, we can't get rid of daylight savings time. So it's like, come on. Yeah, no, you're no. never going to change the month system at this point, let alone we can't even change a stupid daylight savings time. <laughs> uh, well, it is episode 250, which means it's also lightning topics, lightning talks, lightning thingies, which means we're going to cover a bunch of topics submitted by you, our listeners. And we're going to actually just do a bunch of them and not necessarily limit them to five minutes. So they may be three minutes, two minutes, one minute, 30 seconds, or maybe six minutes, seven minutes. And 
We'll see how it goes. But before we get there, let's thank our amazing podcast sponsor this week so we can just keep rolling through everything. Sync Fusion. Yes, Sync Fusion is back this year and all the time for your applications. They have basically everything you need. You want to make an app? They got everything you need. You need controls, you need charts, you need graphs, you need calendars, you need Excel, or I was doing Excel integration today in one of my applications. I kid you not. Sync Fusion, they got you covered. They got everything. They can PDF process. They can they can do everything you possibly need, whether you're building web apps, mobile apps, desktops apps, hybrid applications, you name it. They got something for you. Go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn more. And thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring us for all of these years. Syncfusion, you've been by our side. Oh, thank you, Syncfusion. I love having them as a sponsor. And I love all their stuff. Oh, that Excel stuff and their evaluator. They have just like a calculator built in there. You can just use that. And I like calculators. I like calculators. I I was doing some Excel math today. I was parsing a... I was parsing a, <laughs> a date time string into a date time Excel cell, if you will. It's you did, I did like first, and I did some splitting. It was it was a uh, mid. I used mid. That is some classic Excel. I remember writing my first birthday. How old are you? Calculator in Excel and having to do that stuff. Oh, good times. I tell you, Excel so good. What a good 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 app. Good good app. All right, let's. All right. Break it down. What you got? We we so we got two tweets. I put out a tweet and then you did a retweet, a quoted retweet, and we both got separate answers. So we're gonna go back and forth based on who you actually decided to respond to. And 50-50, four and four. So they both they love us equally, Frank, is what I'm hearing here. <laughs> it's not a it's not a competition, James. But this one, this is a good one. This is a programming language one coming in from Thomas. Hi, Thomas. So ask the question, is there space in .NET for a language between C-sharp and F-sharp, like TypeScript or Python? Functions on their own, outside of classes, if you really want them, but not fully F-sharp functional. And I say, of course there's room for that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, one of the things I love most about .NET, too, is it's pretty easy to write compilers and things for it. So there's definitely room there. Often during my Twitch show, I love to talk about... Um, I would do like an F sharp, the good parts, because F sharp has become quite a very large language. And personally, I don't use all the bits. So I've always thought about like a Frank tailored version of F sharp or something like that. But I think that um, we are seeing, I think the question's interesting because the two languages are definitely sharing a lot of features these days. Um, C sharp just got a lot of immutable niceness with records and pattern matching and just, you know, tightening up the syntax, uh, the new switch statement. I kind of love that new switch statement. It's a lot like the F sharp match statement, but they're fundamentally deep down, very different languages. And it's just neat that their feature sets are merging like that. So there is room for that. Um, I'm going to let you chime in now just on your opinions on all that, but I want to come back and say how I actually feel though. <laughs> yeah. There's a language in between those today. It's called VB. Those are the three <laughs> languages of, of .NET, Frank did it. Boom. Uh, I mean, they're all there. VB, very popular, very, very popular language, fully supported. I think that there's plenty of room for new languages, just like there's many room for languages outside of .NET or people to transpile and to run into .NET too. Depends on what you're trying to get out of it. For me, you know, what I've really always appreciated is that these different languages have their own flavors of what are custom tailored for what they're really, really good at. 
Um, I always think like F sharp as a functional language is very good at like machine learning and AI and, and different functional type things. It can do everything, right? You can do anything in any of these languages, but there's, there's tailoring. I think C sharp being a general purpose language that's been modernized and it's familiar and it's um, intuitive. I think for many people coming from other programming languages, it's very inviting um, for coming in. So the problem with any of these languages is sort of what you just said is that they've been growing over time and there's a lot of series of different um, versions of source code out there with different things that can only progress so far. So if you had a new programming language, you know, which we've seen all the time, you get to introduce all those things by default. So imagine if everything was nullable by default, you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that be amazing because it was introduced in V1 of the programming language. That's what um, always kind of fancies me about these new programming languages that come out, but then over time, the stuff will get built on top of it. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but you can always do something. Is there, I guess there's there, is there space in the market for another programming language in .NET to grow bigger than those three programming languages? That maybe is the question, and I'm going to say probably not, but who knows? Yeah, I, I, see, I don't want to put a limit like that on it because .NET's, what, like 20 years old at this point, and C Sharp is 20 years old. And the runtime is still good. It's still getting moved around to different platforms or anything. And I feel like if, you know, if not, if .NET's going to be here for another at least 10 years, probably another 20 years. And so will there be another language by that point? Maybe. Yeah. Possibly not. C Sharp could keep advancing. Who knows? Or things might get even weirder. <laughs> Who knows what runtimes will look like in 20 years. But I wanted to go back and give another shout out to, um, there's a book called, uh, I think it's Elements of Programming Style. One of the neat things about it is they use like eight different programming styles, imperative programming, functional programming, object-oriented programming, and four others I can't think of off the top of my head, um, to write essentially the same program. And they use the same programming language, Python, but these like seven or whatever distinct styles of programming. And it's really informative and enlightening to see um, see what a programming language actually is. So you have to make some decisions on what kind of style that is. And I would say it's fun to mix the styles like Scala tries to mix them, but you can get very muddy also when you mix things. Now, me personally, I think um, if there is to be a new .NET language, I don't think it it should not be like a Rust. Or it should not be a Swift. It should not be one of these incrementally different than C-sharp or F-sharp. Those are, in my opinion, not advancements on programming languages. We've pretty we've stagnated a lot in programming languages right now. So I would like to see larger um, problems tackled. My personal pet peeve is that we are still designing programming languages for batch processing. Take some data, uh, do some computations on it, and spit some data out. That is functional programming. That is essentially all programming. It's object-oriented programming from a high-level view. But it's not what a UI program is anymore. It's not what a web server is anymore. Nowadays, data is constantly changing. We need to change programming languages to understand that we're going to be rerunning these computations constantly. And it should find the correct deltas. It should find hidden caching points. It should be a lot more sophisticated. So I want to see 
better programming languages. I'm not interested in, you know, a C sharp that, I don't know, removes semicolons. It, it mm. would be great, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't care. Yeah, it's you're not, not going to change you, anything. You're not looking for the Python of C sharp is what you're saying. Um, no, I, I agree with you. And the, 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 the cool part, like, that's why I said, if it was fundamentally coming out and trying to solve some of those problems for specific workloads, and it is a common language runtime. If you go back all the way back, right, it all mm-hmm. compiles into bits and the, the CLR is, is able to process these languages. And that's why there's three of them that are there. And there's a new standard. And obviously the C-sharp standard thing that, uh, the team put out, they're getting all the ECMA stuff, all this stuff. I don't, I don't know anything about it, nor do I really, you know, know. Um, I guess it's important, but uh, you know, there's, there's Mm -hmm. standards, all these things. So it's all possible, Frank, everything is possible, but it could be the Frank Kruger language, the K (laughs) K sharp Kruger sharp. Oh, is that what it is? I I always struggle with the name. Uh, my GitHub is full of programming language attempts because what draw me to the CLR was that it's so easy to write a compiler for. I've written 10 ish compilers for the CLR now. So that's not the issue. The issue is. I want to contribute something that advances the state of the art, not just repeats what we've been doing for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, here we go. Three rapid fire. I got like rapid fire, three questions over here Love like it. for multiple people. So rapid fire, quick answers from this is for Danny. All right. This one, actually, this is a little bit harder to answer, but he says, what's the best platform for a desktop app? I mean, that's generic to build one, to run one. Wow. Well, I don't know. For a desktop app, I, ooh, I mean, we did a whole episode on Windows stuff, but um, what is my favorite? Uh, ooh, uh, Danny, best. Come on, we need some. We need some criteria best. here. Yeah, it's a big word. <sighs> James, cover this. I, I gotta think. I don't know. I, I just have always gone whatever the default is and what covers your best. <laughs> uh, whatever I don't know. Like the new default will be Project Reunion with WinUI, and like that's that's great. Um, Don and Maui will probably be my default for anything desktop because it covers my stuff. They're all valid. Go okay. Here's the answer. Go listen to that other episode. Number two. Um, what are your top three MVVM frameworks, Frank? Top three MVVM. Yeah, I am going with Xamarin Forms. Mm-hmm. Xamarin Forms and <laughs> Xamarin Forms. <laughs> yeah, I've used. Um, I just use the base. You know, I'm just I'm playing. I'm playing generic James over here. I just uh, like my my peanut butter and on I, bread. I've stated on multiple episodes. I like simple code. I I've, I'm feeling embarrassed right now, but I make very concrete decisions to keep my code simple. So when it comes to frameworks, I don't use any because uh, ui frameworks today are far more advanced than the frameworks i ever used as a little Mm. kitty programmer so i already feel like everything's already been written for me i'm just filling in the blanks yeah and you know a lot of the mvvm frameworks they their specialties are in and around like the testability and the enterprise Mm -hmm. scale of it that's not what i build and to me a lot of those things are built into it and actually when you think of don and maui everything interface based first and it's using the new host builder stuff. I, I don't know. It's, it's just so good. And the things I used to use in the past were MVVM light because I had like helpers, but I mean, I use my helper library, but that's not a framework. And I use uh, your helper library. So I'm replacing my number one with whatever James's helper library is called. I don't even know what it's MVVM helpers, right? That's, that's what it is. Yeah. They're helpers for MVVM. Yeah. It's like four classes. It's perfect. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty perfect. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, and in fact, you know, if I, if I could go back in time, 
I would rather, instead of those being in a DLL, I would just plop down those files for you, like SQLite <laughs> used to do, because then you could just make them your own. It'd be perfect. Um, yeah. All right. A good question from Danny. We haven't, we've talked a bit in past ones, but it's 2021. He wants to know if Flutter has any merits. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would say Flutter's merits are its cross-platformness. I believe that they are doing all what we used to call owner draw <laughs> rendering, where the, the framework itself is doing all the rendering. So it's the old Java promise, right? Once run everywhere, kind of old promise. Um, that's fantastic if you're into that kind of app. <laughs> um, hmm. uh, they also have like some kind of hot reload thing. But overall, I'd say it's proven itself. It's lasted this long, but I still don't trust it. <laughs> Is it because you don't trust so it weird. or you don't trust Google? <laughs> I don't trust Google. And I'm not a particular fan of Dart, the programming language that they created. Dart does exactly what I was complaining about before. It's just another programming language from the last 30 years. It hasn't introduced any new concepts that are interesting, which is really kind of sad because one of my favorite programming language designers, Gilead Braha, is on that team. Uh, he worked on Java. He works on Newspeak. Worked on um, Smalltalk back in the day. Oh wow! So really good credentials, but um, big Google doesn't always allow the most artistic things to come out of it. Uh, I think all every single framework out there has merits. I mean, or else yeah. it wouldn't exist. Um, you know, why? <laughs> whether you're using react native or you're using cordova or you're using flutter or you're using xamarin or you're using you know, dot maui or you're using the base platforms everything has merit avalonia whether you know, whatever you want to use right they all have merit they're all great um based on your needs like if you are in the need for what that framework delivers and you are wanting to use the tools and the libraries and the language support that you um, get in those uh, different frameworks, then, then perfect. That, that's, that's up your alley. I think when it comes to obviously React, React Native, I'm not a web developer. So Bing, check that off. Um, it's not, not my world. I'm just not a web developer. Blazor feels a little bit more familiar to me now that, that I, like I understand razor binding and syntax, but um, I'm, I'm still a, a client developer at heart with my C sharp and XAML driven binding and, 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 and my love and passion there. I don't like CSS. That's my problem. Again, <laughs> Dart, I think it's the same thing as I feel like with at least React and React Native, you can use your JavaScript skills everywhere. Dart, like you were saying, um, of course, if you can do anything in, in Dart in Flutter, then, then you're good, right? But if you want to then reach into other things, that maybe is like my major issue with it. Again, I've been a C sharp developer for a long time. And I think that the advantages of C-sharp and .NET and things that are happening with .NET 6, for example, um, um, hot reload well, everywhere well, and every thing. Careful, careful. Know. Oh, there's the a next whole thing. topic. Oh, yeah. gosh, hey, hey, okay, okay. I'm going to buzz you it. because that's the next question. Rapid round number two. I got uh, two rapid round questions from Clifford. And I'm going to start, James. What most excites you about .NET 6 and MAUI? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, well, .NET MAUI, I would say, is the new rendering architecture and the just, it, it makes it feel as though all of the learnings and customer research and data given back from seven plus years of cross-platform development are all being merged into this 
you know, mega uh, framework that's solving a lot of the problems with images and SVGs and app icons and splash screens and hot reload and all this stuff. The biggest part for .NET 6 for me, you know, besides .NET MAUI launching in that with the, the next gen versions of, of iOS and Android is that the team is enabling hot reload everywhere, including in C-sharp code inside of the like runtime. And, and in the latest preview, preview three, they in, turn this on for Blazor applications as the first one, which means you hit F5 and no matter what you're doing, even in your code, you just, you know, write code and it just works and reloads immediately. And um, that's really cool to me. That's probably one of my my big wins that I'm very excited for. How about you, Frank? That That is super cool. Um, I've worked on so many plugins <laughs> trying to do exactly that. So th that's definitely exciting. But that wasn't what I was thinking of because I'm so, so boring, James. You know what I'm most excited about is the silly unified projects with the hmm. multi-targeting frameworks. I know it's small, but I feel like I took a survey on Delphi, the programming language. I was always, a, I called it Delphi uh, back in the day. And I think I took a survey in like 1998 and they asked, would you like it if you had a single project file that allowed you to compile for uh, Windows and Linux and Mac? And I'm like, yes, I would like that. I would pay many dollars for that. And I feel like I've been waiting for that feature since 1998. So I am very excited for that to be coming. But on a more, um, what I actually, actually am excited about is Mac Catalyst. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Because I make my living off of Apple. It's just how it is. <laughs> so um, I am super excited to be able to focus all my attention on one app framework, UI kit specifically. Danny asked about what is your favorite desktop framework. I mean, my answer is AppKit because I love writing Mac apps. But at the same time, I didn't want to answer that because I really don't want to be writing AppKit anymore. I want to be using Mac Catalyst. So uh, that's my most exciting. My, my favorite desktop platform, UIKit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, that is my favorite because an iPad is a desktop. I hate to break it to y'all, but it is. Mm -hmm. So it just, it's not multi-windowing and it even is now. So um, uh, I do like the one thing that was in... Um, in uh, uh, Rich's blog post for Preview 3, which is they've improved interface checking and casting by up to 40%. And we're talking in the nanoseconds. They're measuring this yeah. in, the, <laughs> in the fraction of nanoseconds on these things, which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's actually a little sad how interfaces work in .NET. It's one of the less elegant parts of the runtime because basically any object can implement any interface. So they have to create these insanely large lookup tables to make any of that code proficient. And so I think it's always just a little pet peeve. I think in the back of the runtime, people's heads, they're always just like, how can we make interfaces faster? So that's great. That's funny. Gotta make it faster. All right. They're all exciting. We have another, those were pretty quick. So here, here, this is a, this might be a little tougher. Where do you see mobile development in five years time, James? Exactly the same. I, <laughs> I, I, that was my answer. <laughs> I think we're P I think, you know, we talked about this like a year or two ago and I was like, I'm over, I'm over mobile. I'm over smartphones. Right. 
That was a great episode. Everyone go back. I was so afraid of what James was going to say in that episode. So please go find the one where James said, I, I, I'm over it. It's the same. You know, I will have uh, we'll have better support for um, tablets, uh, especially on iPad. It'll be easier to build. It'll be, be it'll be easier to build the uh, richer cross-platform mobile applications that run across desktop tablet and phone because these frameworks all of them are now taking into consideration where seven years ago they were taking more into consideration just the phone right if you look at down in maui it has an entire windowing system built into it and also what do we know happened in ios what 13 there's a whole we talked to a whole episode on the the window scene delegate thingy right and uh um, I think they'll just be better. But as far as, as what it changes today, I can almost guarantee that in five years from now, I could also still create my, my cadence and it would, it would still be probably the same. Uh, maybe the Bluetooth will be faster. Bluetooth LE 7.0. I don't know. Dot, .NET 11 preview four just came out with yeah. C sharp 8 million in it. <laughs> um, that I, I, I'm kind of, it's a little sad, but I have to 100% agree with you. Um, there is nothing on the horizon right now. And that's a little bit sad. Um, there are no advancements in programming languages happening. I'm sorry to be such a downer there, but it really, there, there's nothing going on there. Um, machine learning's coming up, but honestly, it just doesn't apply to every app out there. Uh, I would always like to see, you know, more sensors, that kind of stuff. I think that's always what kind of separates mobile from other things is the kind of neat hardware you can pack on the device. But we have definitely plateaued in some kind of functionality like that. So I don't see any big advancements coming up. Maybe that means it's we're perfectly due for it. I mm. mean, <laughs> that would be wonderful. I would love a disruption. Honestly, I would love a disruption, but I just don't see it coming Ooh. Well, just imagine if someone was like, hey, five years ago, someone said, how do you see desktop development changing? I don't know. It's pretty much good. I don't know. I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I, I mean, someone's like, hey, you uh, you have a browser. Like, uh, go back to Chrome version one. What do you think Chrome will look like 10 years from now? I don't know about the same. Um, you know, I mean, I don't want to down downplay, you know, Clifford's question here. However, I do think five years, I don't know if we'll be there yet. I think that we'll just see more trends of other technology pieces like we've talked about in the podcast. So I think we'll see more virtual reality, more IoT, things like that, more mixed reality. Will they peak like mobile in five years? I don't know. Not not quite yet. I don't yeah. think we're going to be there yet. I'll only be 40. And technology moves fast, but I don't think it moves as fast as we think it does sometimes. Yeah, it's it's funny getting perspective. Like I keep glorifying the days of Visual Basic and Delphi and all that stuff. And I look back and I realize that was only like a five or six year period. Like things were moving so much faster back then compared to how they are today. Um I I I'm hopeful for more wearable stuff. I'm hopeful for more IoT. The one sad thing about IoT is everyone keeps creating these very closed sandboxes. But we're we're getting integrations. I, I I don't know what the full what role does mobile play in an IoT world? What world does what role does IoT play in a mobile world? I don't fully understand that myself. Aside from 
we keep creating these terrible remote control apps for IoT devices on mobile. I hope those go away. So I hope we find some refinement there or at least some standardization. I'm always up for more wearables. Um, I don't know, some kind of like cool LED socks. I'm here for that. <laughs> I, I, I want to say here also, I'm not, I'm not mad or upset or I don't think it's a bad thing that, that this is, is happening because when you remind me of 10 years ago, how fast everything was moving, it also meant I was rewriting my application every year and a half because everything in Android and iOS was changing so rapidly. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, things do change, but I like now I'm, I'm building for more things and I needed to change less often in a way. I hope that you caught the very hopeful tone in my voice because for software developers when hardware and platforms are stable that's when we can really refine our craft we need that stability to create good apps i have no problem <laughs> with um the current plateau or stagnation whatever you want to call it peak 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 ui kit <laughs> i don't know what to call it um yeah <sighs> disruptions are you, you never see a disruption coming that's why they're a disruption but I feel like we're in a very comfortable spot, especially .NET, everything these days. We have a lot of good choices to choose from. So I'm optimistic about the next five years, but I really don't think much is going to change. No, yeah, no, and that's okay. I'm, I'm down for it. Like I said, it will depend on what Google and Apple and Microsoft do in the space. But from what I'm thinking... I'm thinking that it's going to be relatively similar, um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. How about this one, Frank? We got um, whether you think the Phoenix Suns are going to take it this year. <laughs> be my good friend, Jesse Bearden, best friend in the world, Jesse. Um, how do you think about this? How do you think about the Suns? I love this. this I love this. I had to bring up a stats sheet because I do not follow the ball's basket, mm -hmm. but, um, I do like the game. I used, to, I, I'm a big nerd. I used to play the saxophone and I used to play in a college pep band. Huh? And so I've been to like a lot of basketball games, I think more than a lot of other people. So I, I, I like the game. I especially like basketball because it's quick. Now, I know absolutely nothing about these teams, but I will say this. Um, <laughs> the Suns seem to be in second place in their conference or whatever they do in basketball. Mm -hmm. And they seem to have... Um, my whole thing in sports is regression to the mean. If a team is excelling, but they don't normally excel, chances are they're not going to do well. If a team is doing well and they normally do well, chances are they'll continue to do well. <laughs> so I feel like the Suns are in a very good position because the team above them, I can't remember their name, they look like they're on a bit of a little bit of a luck streak and luck runs out. So I'm giving it to the Suns. What about nice. you? I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers because um, that's my hometown of Cleveland. Nice. If it's not Cleveland, I'm going to go with the Seattle Supersonics. I think they may take it this year. Oh. No, they're, 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 they're not, in contention. There's not, there's not a, we don't have a team. <laughs> okay. You're killing me here. Wait, I'm like, I've, I've heard of that team. Was that like from the 70s, 80s? Uh, I think that what we had, like the, the Supersonics didn't go. I mean, they played at Key Arena not yeah. too long ago. I, I mean, uh, it's got to be 10, 15 years ago. It couldn't be that long ago. I guess, man, I guess I've been in Seattle for a long time. I've seen Storm games in the, at the Key Arena. Uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the Cavs, I think the Cavs are going to take it all the way. I don't even know, uh, who's on the team or anything. You know, I, I was trying to get, yeah, a I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. I, I'm a season ticket holder for the, um, the Sounders, Seattle Sounders, uh, soccer team. 
uh, football if you're over anywhere else in the world. And, uh, and I, I don't even know who was on our team. I don't know anything. I tried to buy tickets for the, the first games are socially distanced. It was impossible. And they're like, we're putting five tickets on sale. Like, that'll be great. I'm in a queue of five billion. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, all right. Uh, I, I Wait, I, I just have to bring. I have not heard of any of these teams. Uh, the oh, wait, Seattle I'm not gonna, Sounders? I'm not going to. No, I'm stopping Soccer. myself right here. Because the moment I name a team, I'm going to offend someone. So I am stopping. I wish everyone good luck. All of you Western conferencers. Not you, Eastern conferences. <laughs> well, I was talking about. I mean, I was. I, 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 just, I just okay. Okay. I'm sticking okay. to the. I'm sticking to the question. Okay. <laughs> I know Seattle. nothing about your footballs. Okay, Seattle Storm is WNBA. Mm-hmm. We have a team in cool. Seattle. W. Yep. Seattle. End of those games. I like those games. Okay. Seattle Sounders. That is soccer because it's on the sound. The, the mm-hmm. sound Sounders. Mm-hmm. Sound footing. <sighs> Jeez, Louise. Phoenix. It's very hot. Live there. Worked with Jesse <laughs> at Canada. Very hot. Suns. Get it. Um, oh, got it now. There I it figured, is. Yeah. I mean, if you train in terrible hot weather, you're going to be healthier, just naturally healthier than who, where's the ja- where are the jazz from? Is that Florida? Utah. Utah. Oh, um, hmm. Well, I don't know anymore. They move around all the time. Is that still a thing? Oh, okay. I was going to okay. make Utah jokes, but I'm stopping myself. <laughs> um, anyways, I also love basketball. Basketball is one of the most fun games to go to besides soccer, in my personal opinion. Um, problem with basketball is that those games can go really long. Like two minutes oh. can last a half an hour. I disagree. I like basketball mostly because it's quick. <laughs> You're in and out. It feels like a hockey game. They're They're reliably short. And someone's always scoring. <laughs> That's true. Someone is always scoring. With soccer, someone is always running. And the thing with soccer, <laughs> Frank, is the games, the matches, they're always 90 minutes. I mean, sure, there's a few minutes here and there, and the halftime's mm-hmm, always mm-hmm. 15 minutes. So it's like when you go to a Seattle Sounders game or any any soccer game, you're in and out in two hours. It's like you always know it's two hours. Sure, maybe you got to like, take the light rail, or like maybe you're like riding your bike. So okay, <laughs> now it's a now it's a bigger deal, but you know, this is the whole thing. Anyways. That's what I'm going to go for. Uh, what do we have next, Frank? Oh, oh, oh. Um, hmm, 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 hmm. This one really only applies to me, so I'll just answer it. How is, how is Frank getting along with the 3D printed balance bot and AI? Not well. I got that Lumo um, robot, and I just want to give another shout out to the Lumo because I twisted my ankle this week, James. And I couldn't walk around because the ankle didn't want to walk. And I ended up using my Lumo to get around because oddly enough, I'd been practicing balancing on one foot. And anyone who's twisting an ankle knows you basically just hop around on one foot. (laughs) There's not much else you can do. Um, So I found oddly enough that the Lumo was very controllable and stable enough to get around with a twisted ankle. And I thought that was super cool because it was a bit of modern technology enabling, because normally you would use crutches, right? I don't have any crutches, so I was kind of just hobbling around on one foot. But uh, getting onto a little like Segway-like device, if you're comfortable with balancing on your other foot, turns out that was a really good way to get around. So I wanted to give a shout out to, although I have not advanced my robotics at all, I am very, very much interested in uh, personal mobility now 
not just for funsies, but for practical applications. So I'm kind of doubling down. And I also just spent a ridiculous amount of money for a book. It's a classic book written in 1986 by the Boston Dynamics people from MIT Press. It's very hard to get a hold of. It usually is on Amazon for around $900. The book's title... Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, The book is called Legged Robots That Balance, or Legged Robots That Balance, depending on which part of the country you're from. It's a fantastic book, and I used to have to drive up to Canada to read it, but it finally came down on price on Amazon, and I scooped up a copy, and so I'm very excited to learn 1986 technology for balancing robots. That's the year I was born. It's a great year. Um, All right, let's get into this topic. This is a a James topic. Um, As we all know on the podcast, I'm long on two two things, Uh, Microsoft stock, long, and Dogecoin. Those are the two things that I'm long <laughs> on in this world. Uh, Doge, what a historic run today uh, in the last 24 hours, doubling in uh, value from six cents in the floor to right now about 14 cents. Ooh. Now, who knows by the time this podcast comes out? That means that my 64,000 Doge have dramatically gone, dramatically, dramatically, dramatically gone up <laughs> in uh, value. Uh, and I should have bought more a long time ago, but this got me thinking, Frank. And someone was also going to ask about GPUs uh, as well. And I didn't watch the latest uh, AMD GPU thing. But uh, cryptocurrency, I watched a video on YouTube about how to mine Bitcoin on a Game Boy. And it was it was revolutionary. It would take about, um, I think it was like uh, 5 trillion years to, to mine yeah, Bitcoin never. on a, a Game Boy. But Dogecoin with its, um, the blocks are always, there's, there's a lot of, doge in the world to be given out in mind if you will and uh it had me thinking about like oh maybe i should just start mining doge for fun on my computer like i don't have a rig i don't have anything like this but my thing is i started researching how to mine things and one i don't even know how this i i I don't i still you're hashing stuff and you're checking stuff i don't quite understand it but then also why is everything on the internet about cryptocurrency like super shady (laughs) <laughs> this is this is a two-hour episode you, you this is the lightning round okay um yes yes um there are definitely people that hate the coins and people who love the coins it's really cre- created quite a controversy in the tech world hasn't it mm-hmm. congrats on your dogecoin I'm, I'm i was worried that you were going to quit the podcast that you were announcing something there but no nope, sounds like you're staying in Okay, so every coin, when it's designed, people come up with how do you validate the ledger? How do you validate the transaction, the smart contracts, whatever you want to call that junk, the blockchain? Someone's got to validate it. You have to incentivize people to validate it. And what is the incentive? The incentive is you get a coin if you successfully... Well, there's multiple parts to this, but whatever. I'm trying to keep it simple. And so it's all just what rules do they come up with that? How hard do they make it to valid or how hard do they make it to create tokens for? And how hard do you make it to validate those tokens? And every coin's different, you know? That's why when I I laughed when you said Bitcoin, because their proof of work that they designed, they designed that to get exponentially harder as time went on. And that's why Bitcoin goes up in price. They designed it to go up in price. It's that simple. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> and a market <laughs> and crazy humans <laughs> trading on a market. So it's not simple. Don't don't let me <laughs> don't let me use the word simple there. Uh, but other things like Dogecoin have different proofs of work. I don't I don't remember the details of Doge, so I can't speak to it. Why does it seem shady? Um, because it's it's like all investment gambling. It is all of that because you're doing things on probabilities because the value of these coins is not a pure market and demand system. It's weirder than that. It's a lot more complicated than that. But uh, I tend to see <laughs> when I'm I, I say this without cynicism, but it's going to sound like the most cynical thing you've ever heard. I believe all economies are pyramid schemes. There's always someone at the top. And so I don't have any discomfort with any of these coins because I have a very cynical view of all economic systems. <laughs> um, why does it seem shady? Because no one's got your back. No one's going to hold your hand. You can lose a fortune in it overnight. Um, but that's pretty much possible with any financial transaction system. So everyone, if you're interested in it, do a lot more due diligence than listening to some rando on a <laughs> mobile development podcast about what you should do with it. Yeah, I'm not a miner myself. I've been thinking about mining the Doge. Um, however, do you really need like a mining like rig? Can I, could I just mine on my computer, Frank? Uh, for the new coins, you can, but for the older coins, the proof of work is substantially hard enough that you cannot. Now, what people do instead is they share time. So you can become a member of a group who are all trying to mine a coin. Hmm. So you're trying pooling, to generate a valid. Pooling. Yeah. So that's when you're pooling. And in that case, you can use any hardware you want. You're just going to get a fractional amount of the pool you know, whatever computational power you devote to it. So that's why you see people creating huge computational rigs. Even even someone with like, you could have a room of computers at this point and you still can't get a Bitcoin. Like it's that hard these days for a Bitcoin. So even those computers tend to get pooled together. Now, if someone creates a new coin, you can definitely get on that bandwagon, but that coin's probably, you know, it's going to, its price is going to fluctuate all over. Who knows how it's going to do it. That is incredible. An incredibly speculative market the good fun part is you get to make your own coins and be like that coin's mine and then you put it on a floppy disk and then you forget your encryption password and you lose it <laughs> <laughs> that's true like there's there's magical i don't even i i just have purchased some doge but i was thinking just for fun but then i was thinking that maybe the best route is to like you know create a vm locally and to install this software on because it seems so shady like just randomly oh, download no. this thing from this thing no no this software this software is very high quality and in, in a most cases it's very readable like mm. the, the whole point of these is to create a trust system so i would not worry at all about that kind of stuff i'd worry a lot more about how much electricity am i using and that kind of stuff um no the 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 big coins out the big coins out there i would not worry about if some person on github put up a brand new repo and it's all very hard to read c code maybe i wouldn't trust that one but like dogecoin's been out forever now that code has been scanned over and over and over many eyes on it and a lot of times these coins will publish algorithms so there can be multiple implementations of the same coin okay got it this makes more sense um, I will try to find a link to the Game Boy one. It was quite 
quite excellent. The uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you are not going to make any. I mean, if you did a smaller coin, you could probably work off of that. There is something neat coming up um, in the world of like distributed media sharing. There is a protocol called Library. Have you seen that one? L B R Y. It's kind of neat. It's using the blockchain to build media sharing. So it's building like a decentralized YouTube, essentially. The website you want to go to is something like um, odyssey.com. And uh, search for LBRY or Odyssey. And those will show you like a front end to it. And the way that you create a channel on it is you have to pay for a channel, basically. You want to leave a comment, you pay for a comment. You want to buy a video, you pay for it in a coin they created. The coin is called LBC. That is separate Mm. from the network. That is separate from the media site. But they're all based around this one coin. And you absolutely can go mine that coin. That means using a lot of CPU stuff to validate the transactional record of LBC. Or you can just go to a website like um, a coin exchange, like Bittrex.com or Coinbase or something like that. And you can use fiat currency like US dollars to uh, transactionally buy some of these coins, or you can mine them yourself. It's a crazy new world. I, you know, I, I, I agree. Sometimes this stuff seems very weird and scammy, but at the same time, there is a whole technical culture being built around this, te- this technology. I'm sorry, I'm using that word too much. And I believe if you want to keep up, you at least have to learn about this stuff. Maybe a bubble b- will burst, but I don't know. I feel like these coins and especially these smart contracts i hate that terminology but whatever um i think they're going to be around for a while yeah i don't think they're going anywhere we just saw coinbase uh light up on the stock market today and and do very very well and uh coinbase themselves as an api first company is also very fascinating play in the the mining uh or just the cryptocurrency market itself i I, again i feel as though i wish i would have learned i've talked to many of my colleagues that were learned much more about this earlier in, in, in life than I did. Uh, and, you know, I bought some Doge many, many years ago and just as a, as a fun kick, I was like, oh, I got 20 bucks here, 50 bucks here, whatever, you know, just throwing some money. And mm-hmm. I, we love Shiba Inus, but, um, also, <laughs> also the problem with many of the cryptocurrencies are so expensive. And I talked to a lot of other people where I think like Doge itself, even though it is a more of a meme coin, not to be confused with meme, the coin, <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, 10 cents here or a dollar here for a coin makes a lot of, um, a lot of sense. And there are coins out there that are actually tied to the U S dollar, uh, I've been learning about too. So the, the, the world of coins are very, very fascinating and, and I'm no means an expert, but I do want to kind of, yeah, kind of want to just, well, it's fun. It's, it's a wild West. It's a new market and it's interesting for just that reason. I heard a stat that there's something like 12 new coins a day. So, like, I don't know if you want to call it a bubble or a Wild West or how you want to interpret any of that. But obviously, we are in a a ridiculous growth, uncontrolled growth spurt right now. I personally hope hope that, like, nations don't get involved. I don't want to see that kind of stop. But there has to be every there's no system. (sighs) Let me rephrase. There is always negative feedback in a system. It's just at what point do you find that negative feedback? And I'm curious where that is here. All right. What else you got for me, Frank? Anything else? I think that's enough. I think we did like 800 topics in 46 minutes. (laughs) I think so. I want to thank everybody 
for tuning in for all of these years. And as Frank said previously, we're going to keep going for another till I'm, till I'm old. I'm, I'm already old. So I guess till I'm older and keep going, keep going until <laughs> Frank lets me quit one day, but it's not going to be for at least 15 to 25,000 years. As long as I can get doge, we're going to keep podcasting. So, um, that's my, I, that's my staple. I now know I'm getting us like these cool Thelma and Louise Christmas cards this year. They're going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Uh, well, I do want to thank everybody. And of course, thank you, Frank, for sticking by my side all of these years. And uh, I wish you the best of getting well. I mean, you're just in a, like you said, you uh, were in a small accident, many accidents. Please get better. I also want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers through all of the years, ones that are with us, one of them that have gone, that have come, that have come back. We appreciate all of your support through all of these years. And for every single person that's hopped in our Discord channel, tweeted us on Twitter, or just simply listened to a podcast, thank you for being with us on this journey. But that is going to do it for episode 250 of Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.